0: Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks as we approach this scripture this morning. Lord, put me behind the cross, let your words and your thoughts be mine. And if I misspeak today, forgive me and let your message be heard. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. So the first thing I want to do is say a big thank you to to Peggy up there who always has the screens and everything just like I need them. And I want to give thanks to her for those days that I don't go by what I told her I was gonna do and I do something completely different. So yeah, this is this is where it stops for us this morning, Peggy. So I had planned on talking about confidence this morning. That was where I was gonna go. But but I and I had the sermon nearly done, but I was hit with the urge to change it. And so I'm going to step off into it with you this morning. So for two weeks in the summer of 2000, more than a thousand firefighters battled a wildlife fire in the Black Hills of South Dakota. 46-year-old Janice Stevenson was convicted of starting the fire and was sentenced to 10 years in federal prison and 25 years in a South Dakota state prison. Her fines were 250000 and they said they may include the cost of the damage of fighting the fire, which was estimated at about $9 million. Ms. Stevenson admitted stopping along the road on August the 24th, lighting a cigarette and tossing the still-burning match out the window onto the ground. Quote, instead of putting out the fire, she contemplated it and decided to leave the area. And when it was over, more than 80,000 acres of federal forest was burned. In Scripture today, James likens the tongue to a fire that consumes a person and ultimately a community. Rumors and half-truths, and grumblings and caustic remarks and hurtful things said, all these smoldering matches have the potential for burning down acres of office morale and family peace and community oneness and church unity. So I'm asking you this morning, do your words build up or do they burn down? Would you join me in the book of James chapter 3? We're going to be verses 5 through 12. James 3, 5 through 12. If you're looking for James, go to Hebrews and turn right. James 3, 5 through 12. It says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire! And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, set on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But not one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives, or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I titled today's message, What We Say Matters. So the damage the tongue can cause is like that caused by a forest fire. The picture of a forest fire is common in the Bible. It's, it's the prayer of the psalmist that God may make the wicked like chaff before the wind. And Isaiah 9, verse 18 says, Wickedness burns like a fire. It consumes briars and thorns. It kindles the thickets of the forest. And this is a picture that the Jewish folks knew well. In the dry season, the the grass and the low-growing thorn bushes and scrub were as dry as tinder. And if it was set on fire, the flame spread like a wave, which there was no stopping. The picture of the tongue as a fire is also a common Jewish picture. Proverbs 16 says, A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. There, there are two reasons that the damage which the tongue can do is like a fire. First, the tongue can damage from a distance. A chance word dropped at one end of town can bring hurt and damage to the other end of town. In an instant. The Jewish rabbis had this picture. Life and death are in the hand of the tongue. You see a person can drop a malicious word. Or repeat a scandalous or untrue story. About someone who they don't even know. Who they don't even know. Or about someone who lives hundreds of miles away. And it can cause instant and infinite harm. The next thing is the tongue is uncontrollable. Three things come not back. The spent arrow, the lost opportunity, and the spoken word. Rabbi Joseph Telushkin once said, I have lectured throughout the country on the powerful and often negative impact of words and asked audiences if they can go for 24 hours without saying any unkind words about or to anybody and invariably a minority of listeners raised their hands and said of course i can some laugh a quite large number call out and say no i can't do that and the rabbi responded by saying those who can't answer yes must recognize that you have a serious problem if you can't go without talking negatively to somebody or about somebody for 24 hours you have a problem if you, can, um, if you cannot go for 24 hours without smoking, you are addicted to nicotine. If you cannot go 24 hours without a drink, you're most likely an alcoholic. Similarly, if you cannot go 24 hours without saying an unkind word about others, then you have lost control of your tongue. That's straight from the rabbi. But you know, few people don't realize the destructive power of the human tongue. Because of a misspoken word, homes have been splintered, reputations shattered, and lives destroyed and even ended. That little piece of a muscle that lies in your mouth between your lips and your teeth can bless or bruise, heal or hurt, love or lie. It's powerful. It all depends on how you use it. And God says that we must never cause our neighbor to suffer. One time when I was trying to do a lesson with the youth, um, we did a, so in Nocona, we did FCA over there, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, the, the organization had died years before, so the preachers went into the schools on Tuesday and Wednesday and did FCA with the schools, which was kind of cool. And so we would go in and we prepare a lesson. Well, I got a, I got a cow's tongue a real cow's tongue, and put it in a box and cut a hole in the end and covered it. And I was talking about the kids that I have the most powerful weapon in the world in my possession. And I gave them a chance to reach in and touch that tongue. <laughs> they couldn't see what they were touching. They were, all, they were all pretty grossed out by the whole thing. But it left a lasting impression on them because then we followed up with this verse and talked about how powerful the tongue can be and what a, what a powerful weapon it is. It can decimate all kingdoms and all things. And it was such a good lesson that the Church of Christ preacher said, hey, what are you going to do with that tongue when we're done? And I said, I'm probably going to pitch it in the garbage. And he said, I think I'll freeze it and take it to summer camp with me and use that same message. I thought, hey, whatever works, right? According to the Bible, one's good name or reputation is far more valuable than any riches. And as a general rule, your reputation is a direct result of your character. In other words, others think that what they do, they think what they do about you because of the way they see you act and the way that you live before them. So, our character figures into our reputation. And when we attack the reputation of another by the words we speak, we are guilty of destroying a person's value. We are guilty of doing unspeakable damage to a person's life and ministry by the words that we say about them. You know, thou shalt not kill goes a lot further than just the physical idea of killing. I mean, we can kill spirit, we can kill a reputation, we can kill integrity, we can kill credibility. I remember reading of a woman who was guilty of gossiping about her pastor. Uh Uh-oh, we're getting personal now, aren't we? She felt guilty, and she went to him to apologize to him and to try to make it right. And the pastor said, well, I, of course I accept your apology. Of course I accept your apology. And he said, but what I want you to do is I want you to, to take a chicken and to go to the top of the, of the church steeple, and I want you to pluck all the feathers and let them blow away in the wind. And then when you do that, come back to me. And so she goes and she plucks the chicken and she lets it all blow away. And she comes back and she says, Preacher, I've done what you asked me to do. And he said, Now go and collect the feathers. And she said, Well, I obviously can't do that. And he said, Nor can you change the damage that you've already done to me. The words of a false witness can be forgiven, but they can never be forgotten by the ones who have been affected by their poison those who have heard, and those who are being attacked. Eternal damage can be done. It's a sad day when one person thinks they have to repeat something on another, and this behavior is hateful to God and demeaning to others. There are several ways in which people are guilty of using their tongues against one another. There's slander, and that's defined as communication of false statements injurious to a person's reputation. And we are guilty of this when we speak about another person, lie about another person to harm them or their reputation. I, can't, I can't think of mean girls in, in, in middle school when I think of that, how they're, they're mean and they just make things up. There's lying, a false statement which deliberately presented as being true. Winston Churchill said, a lie will get halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. There's criticism, statements made about another's actions, ways and deeds in an effort to hurt their reputation. Now, constructive criticism is a good thing, right? Something that's helpful and nurturing. But destructive criticism is devastating to you and the people you are criticizing. There's talebearing. And this is a practice of spreading gossip and rumors about others. It may be that the rumors are true, but that doesn't give us the right to tear down a person's being, does it? Why do we feel like we have to get in on rumor telling? If we learn something private about our neighbor, the only person that you should share that with is God Almighty. Because God knows what that person needs. And thankfully, God knows what you need too. Gossip's a sin, friends. There's exaggeration when we stretch numbers or statistics or facts to make things look better or worse than they really are. There's silence. When you know an untruth is being told about somebody and you keep your mouth shut, that's not good. There's the old phrase, loose lips sink ships. Everybody heard that one? Loose lips sink ships. The old saying is appropriate for church because many churches are in turmoil because of gossiping and foolish talk and pettiness and busyness and stepping out of our lanes. Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in men who are truthful. Get that? The Lord detests. But I'm going, to, I'm going to share one more with you. Proverbs six sixteen through 19 tells us, There are six things that the Lord hates. Hate's a big word. Six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Those are the things that the Lord hates. So, we want to ask ourselves today, are we guilty of using our tongues to harm another? If so, we've got to fix it. We've got to be quick to stand up for those who are being torn apart by the mouth of a gossip. Be ready, because if a gossip will gossip to you, a gossip will gossip about you. There is no loyalty among gossip. We need to be careful how we handle those that fall into sin. Many lives have been destroyed because people's talking, people talking about others behind their backs and condemning them instead of praying for them and letting God work it out. Where is the grace? I read something this morning that said maybe we're offering too much grace. Really? Is there a such thing as too much grace? That came from a Methodist clergy that I read that. There's something wrong, friends. The idea of it come, what comes around goes around isn't good for anybody. Here's a practice in living uh, when it comes to what you will say or refrain from saying. And everyone loves a good acronym, so here we go. This one is THINK. Think. T, is it true? Is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind? You remember the childhood saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You got that? Remember that right? What a lie. What a horrible lie that was. I know I was told that as a kid. Sticks and stones break your bones, but words don't hurt you. We we probably even told our kids that. What a horrible lie that is. Because words can tear people to the core, folks. You can do terrible damage by not controlling your tongue. So think. Think. Think before you post on social media. Who might it hurt? You know, I will post things a lot of the time, and I just—I may be in a completely different mindset. You know, Donnie doesn't think much anyway sometimes when I'm away from work and everything. And Christy will say, no, not that. Somebody's going to read that differently than you wrote it you know when you say something to someone their perception of what you said might be completely different than what you meant so we have to be careful we have to be careful think before you post on social media think before you send that email you know they always say count to 10 before you respond or give it a day before you respond think before you send that email think before you write a note that might tear somebody down. You know, there's, there's so much going on in the United Methodist Church today, and I'm not going to get into the politics of all that, but I'm going to call on us to be grace-filled. You know, we might not all agree on everything. We might not agree on all things. But I believe that we can agree on the essentials that Jesus Christ lived and died for us that he offers us salvation and mercy and grace. Friends, I think that's something we can agree on and we can come to church and we can do the business of God with that in mind. And the other stuff, we don't really have to worry about so much every day. But it's on us to extend grace to others. We need to rise above the pettiness because, friends, we are better together and what we say matters. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the